Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, party people, welcome back to HR Tech. This is Brian Fink. I'm joined with Shally Steckroll, the godfather of sourcing. We are rocking the mic here at Olio's podcasting booth live on the floor in Las Vegas. We are joined by not one, but two guests from two different organizations. We've got Mateo from Emmy Labs, right? Are yep. we good? Awesome Perfect. sauce. And we've got my man Jeremy, who has already been on the podcast one time to talk about his sensational sourcing tool for all for all things all things digital and environmental. And I love uh, your, what is her name at RecruitBot? Oh, are you referring to Arby? Yes. Okay. All right. I was so we're going to talk about who Arby is in a minute. Um, so we'll get into that in just a second. That was what I was struggling for for words. Shally, what's going on, my man? What's the vibe on the floor? It's looking pretty good. Yeah, we're getting we're getting busy. All right. So speaking of getting busy, what I want to do is I want to get busy, 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 be as quick as can be. What I want to ask the I want to ask a use case for the problem that each of you are trying to solve in recruiting and sourcing today. Who wants to go first? Okay. I'll okay. Go first. My vote is Mateo. Okay, I go. Thanks for having me. First of all, uh, then, do. so typical use case of Emmy. So we streamline the hiring process for frontend workers, and a typical process that we find is that in the recruitment process of hiring of frontend workers, hiring managers are in the field. They are either at a work at a warehouse, yep. at a facility, or at a retail store. So getting their availability, it's really hard. So we streamlined all the candidate experience mm. using chat but we found that streamlining the process of the hiring managers, it's critical. So typical use case, it's they implement EMI on top of the ATS and they automate communication with the candidates, but also internally with hiring managers. So they usually implement EMI to reduce the time to hire, but specifically to save time from recruiters and hiring managers impacting revenue, not only productivity and cost. All right, so I got it. I know I said I was going to do one thing. I'm yep. going to kind of whoop, 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 then whatever. All right, how do you train managers to use this technology? Because at the end of the day, they're not sitting in their offices surfing LinkedIn to see who's got what status update. No. How do you train them? First of all, talking to them, understanding their day-to-day. -day. So we work with Walmart, Heineken, Danone, and we went to talk to them and we understood that they are not in front of a computer. So we asked them, which tools do you use? And we found that, for example, they all had phones, text, in some populations like WhatsApp. So we built our tool on top of the things that they were already using, and we designed this for them. So if you design from that point of view, then the change management is always tough, but it's a bit easier than trying to push down their throats a new interface, a new system, something that it's not designed for them, like a calendar link or something like that. So that's the starting point for us. All right. So, so this is scheduling specifically? No, or? we do end to end. Like from a candidate, a candidate says hi via any job board and they are redirected to okay. any, we fill the application in the ATS and then we streamline to retention. But that's the typical use case that we are encountering, the hiring manager back and forth. All right, I want to jump on that word streamline and mm -hmm. I'm going to turn the conversation over to Jeremy to talk about his use case and what Okay, so real quick, I've already interviewed Jeremy before. I'm fascinated by everything he's done with machine learning. I'm actually sitting across the table from an actual data scientist. So when I talk to people who have built recruiting tools, they're usually coming from a sales side. They're not coming from the technology angle. So tell us about RecruitBot and the streamline that it provides. Yeah, uh, always great to be here. I, lo I love talking to Recruiting Daily, so really, really appreciate the opportunity again. Uh, and great to be chatting to you guys. Uh, so yeah, RecruitBot, again, is a passive outreach tool. So uh, our job is to help 
engage with very hard to fill roles in specifically in white collar recruiting. But that can range from the original problem that I had, which was when I was running machine learning and data science at OpenTable, I could not hire enough machine learning uh, engineers. They're just, they're purple squirrels. They're impossible to hire. And the processes that you're usually using. Uh, Sorry about that, that was me. Uh, the processes you're usually, oh. Processes you're usually using. The processes that you're usually Don't using the um, are pretty manual, and uh, it often is requiring really smart sourcers to run all over the internet and find information from six or seven different sites to go and cross-reference it and say, "Here's the set of people that I want to go and reach out to." And so, RecruitBot is ultimately focused on how do I do that all in one spot, and how do I make that incredibly easy? So rather than going to seven different sites to go and find your candidates and reach out to them. You just log into RecruitBot, run a search, then use real machine learning to go and find people who are similar to the people you like. We like to say the same way that Netflix would recommend movies similar to movies you like. You can do that, except we're going to recommend candidates that are similar to the candidates you already like, just giving feedback on a one to five star scale. And because we have all of the contact information, emails and phone numbers, we can automate email campaigns to make it really easy to sort of talk to them, or you could even load that into your favorite CRM and automate texting or anything else from there. So it makes it really easy to solve the problem soup to nuts of engaging with really hard to fill talent. Jeremy, there's one question that I that I don't know. Like we've we've had three conversations. This is our third conversation. I think we're at three yeah, now. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, oh, all right. all right. Hey, we're going to prom. All right. I love it. <laughs> all right. He's keeping count. So one of the things and that he I, keeps coming back. What, one of the That's things great. I don't know is that does RecruitBot use natural language search to find these candidates? Like if I say, hey, I'm looking for data scientists who went to MIT who live in Boston. Yep. Okay, maybe I should have made it a little bit harder than MIT in Boston, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> So, uh, in some ways yes, and in some ways no. So we aren't yet, literally, I can go and type in any generic text string and have it work. Um, we are playing with technologies like that internally, but having that work really robustly for users is really important, and so um, we'll, we'll see sort of how that evolves. But when I refer to the machine learning that's going and predicting which candidates are relevant to you, that is already and has been for many years, using machine learning and natural language processing, that's how we're actually going and prioritizing the resumes. So what's happening here is the system's going and saying, I'm trying to generate statistical patterns of what, what's in common with the candidates that are good and what's in common with the candidates that aren't good, right? And so this might be obvious things like, oh, these job titles or uh, this amount of years of experience, but it might be much more nuanced. It might be, do they have leadership words? Do they have ownership words? Are they very numbers driven if they're a sales role? These are sort of more vague concepts that a natural language processing system can go and understand and go and understand the patterns at a conceptual level when it's going and working out how to recommend it to you. So we've been integrating that into our system for many, many years now. Okay, and one of the things that I think the two of you have in common, even though you're coming at different problems, is the level of customer service and customer success that you're, you're all nodding, that you guys are vested in. What, what and why is success to the customer important? I know that it's like just signing on the dotted line, but like what tangible results are we trying to produce for our customers? Who wants to handle that one first? I mean, I'm happy to start. I mean, tangible results are really easy. They come to us with a very specific problem. They're all these roles, they're really hard to fill. We don't know how to do them. 
we're not getting in the volume of inbound, we're not getting the right people in through LinkedIn or whatever other mechanisms we're using, what do we do, right? Like they're basically in panic mode. They're like, we need to hire these sorts of people. This this is essential for the business. What do they we do? just can't find what they're looking for. Yeah. So it's was very that a simple. reference to U two at the Sphere? U two yeah, is playing at the Sphere. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, they're playing right here. now. Yeah, they're playing. Yeah, yeah they're going to be playing tonight. I think it's like eight thousand dollars a ticket. Shally, can you front me? Yep. Uh, no, but um, you said yep. I heard a yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. No. Right. Yes. So Mateo, what about what about CX, CS, like I think it's critical. I divide it like in two or three uh, points of contact. The first one is when you implement a platform like CS and being close to the, like, the customer support, it's critical because you need to understand the specific pains. So technology is just like a tool to solve problems. So you need to understand which are the specific pain structures and what they need. And that's a two-way communication where you teach also maybe the customer which are the best practices, what our customers are doing, and you listen and you try to solve their problems. Then you got the change management part, which we discuss a bit when talking about hiring managers, which is technology. Again, it's just one point of one starting point, but then you need to make users use an, a, a tool like Emi, which we're talking about hundreds of recruiters. And then the final piece, connected to the ROI and what we're talking about, which is like showing the ROI, the money, and from a CS point of view, continuing that that relationship and like helping your champions internally to follow up that financial return like over and over throughout the entire life cycle of the, of the customer. So for us, like we did many mistakes in the past and we tweaked that and that was a big difference beyond the product. All right, about big differences. I'm gonna let Shiley get a question in here edgewise because I've been taking up the, I've been sucking all the oxygen out of this. What you got? Uh... <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> We were talking about the... Tell them who you're talking to. You pointed to you pointed to Jeremy. I pointed to Jeremy. Okay, all right. And we were talking about the language, but sort of related to what you were talking about before here, the, the natural language recognition and natural language querying. So I just wanted to kind of dive into that a little bit and find out the, the answer to the question that I had asked you before, which is, you know, you obviously you're not using, uh, let's call it off the shelf, AI type of, you know, large language models. Let's not call it AI because it really isn't. You said you've got something different that is, it's a large language model on top of yeah, so we have search to be a, engine. We haven't launched it yet, so I have to be a little bit cagey about oh, how it's okay, going yeah, to work sure. yet. No, but, but the concept but is. But conceptually, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, effectively, it's, um, it's what we were just talking about earlier, right? Like the, the way that people want to talk about these things are they just want to say, I want to find people that understand this technology. And this technology yeah. may be a really recently burgeoning technology that we don't have a lot of people on LinkedIn that have said like, hey, this is a skill of mine. Right, and that's, it's, that's exactly the problem right there is that there's all these uh, keywords that people are used to searching with and the language changes so quickly that you really would have a very large Boolean statement with all these esoteric terms in it to still only capture a small portion of the population anyways. So that's why I think the benefit of these large language models is be able to expand that ontology, right? Totally agree. I mean, they were even talking about it earlier today about how much they're like 
they're like a big like companies are really focused on making sure that they're staying ahead, right? And so if you're staying yeah. ahead, you're going and polling your engineering team and product team and design team, and you're saying, hey, what is, what's the technology we need to know? We need to know because that's what we need yeah. to hire for. You want to hire well, great. for what? I go and then type that keyword into LinkedIn it or wherever exist. else, and that they're like. What do you mean? This technology, like, I yeah. like, I love seeing. Hey, I've been, I'm, I'm a, I'm a generative AI expert. I've been using ChatGPT for four years, and you're like, ChatGPT hasn't been around for four years. That's, what are, yeah, what right. are you talking about? And and so, yeah, it's exactly you type that. in the keywords. Yeah. So, so the question that I wanted to get to was, um, the data. Are you using? Are you looking through homogenous data? Because that's kind of where I, non-homogenous data, things tend to get really messy. Yeah, so th there, there are many different steps that are necessary along the way, right? So a great example is we have our database of 600 million people. But those are people, so that's but, homogenous. Exactly, but, yeah. that, but that's coming from a number of heterogeneous sources, and then we, part of our technology stack is actually going and sort of synthesizing that down okay. into a way that, like, hey, Data source A refers to like has like thinks about data in this way. Yeah. Data source B does it in this way, and, and it's a, organized. And we have to organize. Yeah. And there's a lot of mapping that's frankly just humans in the loop going and cleaning up sort of incredible amounts of data. Yeah. And then there's having to match this. And then there's the, the being able to do it at scale, right? I think we're dealing with over 200 or 2 billion data points now to generate our 600 million candidates every six weeks. And we're pulling in more sources literally every time we're building in. Yeah, and a that's new data that's set. where large language models have are going to flourish. Yeah, that's yeah, what exactly. So yeah. you if you, so if you can go and sort of homogenize the data, I like the way you're framing it. That makes the, the task for the large language model a lot easier a lot to easier. go and sort of do things on top and predictable. That's exactly right. And again, there, we all have these like there's all these problems right where it'll invent. Like it'll invent hallucinations. Sort of, yeah, hallucinations. I think a lot of people aren't familiar with the term, so I try to avoid it. But yeah, exactly. Uh, we got to educate everyone about it. It'll hallucinate all sorts of sort of data that's not there. And so, the simpler the problem, and the like, it, it'll sort of it'll be easier for it to compensate for it. The and more so, congruent. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so, the if you're doing this right, there's going to be a lot of balance between. Like there, there's sort of this naive solution, which is I just go into ChatGPT and I type in whatever I want and I get yeah. my Boolean string. That's the misconception. And like yeah. a that like that'll work okay, but to your point before when we were talking before, it's going to be really general. It's, it's going to be super generic, and you're not going to get sort of the whole point is that you're you're narrowing in on what you want. I often talk about the sourcing donut, where like you don't want to find the center of the donut where everyone's looking for the MIT software engineer that worked in Boston. Yeah, the, in Boston <laughs> that that worked at, that works at Google because like everyone's already reached out to those people. You want to find the actual donut. You want to find the people who are great for your company but are only okay for sort of everyone else's company. And so the more you like what we basically found is we're we're sort of have a very large advantage because we've spent years building out these incredible data sets and pipelines that allow us to homogenize the data, which then allow us to lay other things like other types of natural language processing technology on top to sort of provide a lot more power. And if you just threw it at the homogenous data sets, you wouldn't get anything out. Like every now and then I see someone that's like, we have two billion, uh, we have two billion candidate profiles. And I'm like, yep, you did not deduplicate your data. That is what I am hearing when you have two billion profiles. It is not that you magically yeah. have invented candidates that like don't exist in the world. You right. have solved the labor crisis. That is correct. <laughs> yeah. 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 You have two billion, but 1.6 billion of those are the same. That is correct. So carrying it over to Mateo, what what patterns are you identifying yeah. in your 
in your side of the world? So I'll be cautious because Jeremy here is the technical expert. So what, what do I say? No, but since we work with frontline workers, many of these many of these workers, these frontline workers, are offline. So there's no data online to yeah. scrape. So there's no LinkedIn data. Wait yeah. a minute, they're not on Facebook. They are on Facebook a lot, but you can scrape. But not them. under that name. And not under like you don't have detail about their work history, what they want to do. So there's like there are sort but of. It's Facebook, like every everybody's on Facebook. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm messing with. I know, I know. Everybody I know. over thirty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but so, for us, like that data set, like we, we part of what we're doing, it's not getting to the sourcing space. So we're not looking to get new candidates. To find, right. Yeah, but we're looking to to way to explore things on how data enables us to provide value to our customers. So, for example, like these these workers having this data from 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 each one of our customers allows us to understand what's the perfect candidate profile for this company, for this kind of worker. So for, and we're talking about our employers, they hire like hundreds or thousands of workers, which means that we process like millions of candidates. We got a counter in our booth that it's in real time that shows how many frontline candidates we processed so far. Wow. And it keeps ticking and we are at seven million candidates, right? Which Making your point, it's not that we can talk generally speaking about data points, but each one of our customers, they got a big chunk of those. So we are playing around to quite somehow uh, to see how we can provide unique value to them. And what are the, yeah, so you're finding patterns amongst that data. Exactly, for example. Uh, and there are more generic things that we are doing, which are more basic to, like what, to what you are saying, which is, for example, enabling a better conversational interface with the candidates. So we get to understand if you got, if you got 7, 7 million candidates that went through the similar conversation, you can enhance and understand how that typical language... You can be language. more preemptive. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's one of the biggest challenges, I think, with, with people in our space in technology and HR, just in general talent technology is ideation. You know, the, yeah. the technology has existed for a while, but people just don't, they haven't been able to figure out how to apply it because they don't really have any ideas on what to apply the problem set to. That, the problem is when you start with that. Like what, what we, I agree completely with you. Like we, we thought, first of all, we need to resolve, solve a real problem, which is the efficiency of the hiring. Right. In the process, we get all this data. Right. We make these candidates which are invisible, visible. Yep. And on top of that, we keep exploring new ways of delivering value. But you can't start the way, our way around, like getting data and then thinking, okay, what's the value that I will deliver? Because right. you, at least you can build a company like that. First value, you get data, and then you explore new and, ways yeah. and, and to stack value on top of that. And identifying that, essentially, Figuring out what the problem is that you want to solve is not something that TA people are really good at. Because they're looking at the problem head on, yeah. hiring people, but they don't really That's why ask the questions about what's... The why. The problem right. is not why, putting why, the button why, in the seat, it's yeah. the five whys. Right? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, the problem that people have with LinkedIn nowadays becoming dependent on it and having nothing else but LinkedIn as their only source. That's not a new problem. Before LinkedIn, it was Career Builder. Before that, it was Monster. Before that, it was NetTemps or Jobs or Online Career Center. or Right? So that there's always been this dependency on that one technology because it was the one or solution because it was the one solution everybody knew. But the, the origin of the problem isn't where do we go to find candidates? It's where are the candidates? Yeah. 
and specifically, how do I actually engage with them, right? Like after I you mean, find them, exactly. Yeah. Like finding, yeah. like people. You want you want a thousand software engineers? Here you go. Like it's super easy to do. You want you want a thousand software engineers that'll talk to you? Very very different problem. It's a completely different problem. And the real problem is you need the software engineers to run your company, to build product, or you need your software, your retail associates to sell on your retail. So you need to go, I think, that deep, and then go to the problem. Like, what's the real problem? Okay, having people. Then why don't you have the people? Okay, because my hiring manager is telling me that I don't have the people. And then you get down and down and down. Because they're not on LinkedIn. Yeah. <laughs> That's performing. All right, all right. We're not going to beat up on LinkedIn too much tonight. All right. So, real quick, just to recap, we have been joined by Jeremy at RecruitBot. We've been joined by Mateo at Emmy Labs. I've been joined by the godfather of sourcing, Mr. Shally Steckwell. We are coming to you live from the Olio booth at HR Tech in Las Vegas. We wish you were here. We're sorry that you're not. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you on the next episode.